0: Hey everyone, you're with the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. Again, you know, wherever you get your favorite podcast. if you listen to podcasts, if you don't listen to podcasts, maybe it's something you should start listening to. You can download it, just search the Rob O'Donnell Show anywhere you find your podcasts, listen whenever you want. I know the Odyssey app only goes back three days, you can listen to that days, but other than that, the podcast uh, gives you a whole different perspective of what's going on during your time frame, which is great. It's 5.08 here at the station in northeast Pennsylvania, 76 degrees and partly sunny outside. Um, the hurricane has pretty much cleared Florida. A lot of clear skies there, but there is tremendous damage. I was just reading a story of a 100-year-old oak tree that came, uh, live oak tree that came down on the governor's mansion no injuries are reported, but, again, a 100-year-old oak tree split in half and came down on the governor's mansion. Uh, didn't really say the extensive damage to the governor's mansion, if any at all, but just the fact that, uh, you know, the grounds lost a 100-year-old oak tree is something else. But I'm not really getting anything on loss of life, and that's a great thing. A lot of people heeded the warnings. They've been talking about this, you know, pretty much nonstop as it approached. It was a severe storm. You know, it was a cat four a low cat four, and by the time it made landfall, it was a strong cat three. Cleared. The storm surge was something else. Again, I have friends down there. I've been speaking to them, checking base with them, seeing their social media posts. The mere fact that they are posting on social media is a good thing. But I think we're going to be seeing damage here for, for weeks and months to come because it it was extensive. I think the the, the saving grace here is people did heed the warnings, they did not uh, risk themselves for property. Property can be repaired, can be recovered. Uh, a lot of people out in their cars trying to drive through. Uh, if you were watching the news this morning, people were trying to drive through you know, high water, ended up getting stuck, putting people at risk to try and help them to get out. There's no need for that. You know, if you're, if you're told to stay home, stay home. There's no need to drive around. You know, I even had some friends down there who were like, oh, I need to do this. I need to postpone it till tomorrow. There's no need for that. There's no need for that, but the damage that that we're seeing down there now on a lot of the local sources uh, is just showing tremendous, tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, damage. Uh, I think some some locations got 15 foot of uh, storm surge, which is the worst they've ever gotten. Came over Tallahassee, and they said a hurricane hasn't hit Tallahassee in quite a while. It's kind of avoided them. They either go you know further out to the west or down to the south. And it's a con up uh Savannah, Georgia, again, a place I call my second home. I spent a lot of time down there. I vacationed down there a lot, Tybee Island Savannah area. you know they've dealing with the brunt of it now um but they're they're getting by you know again, I spoke to friends of mine at nine line who uh, you know it's a shirt company that you'll see me wearing their shirts a lot of times. You've probably seen their shirts around uh, a lot of a lot of patriotic shirts they have. Their company down, is down there. I've been friends with them for 15 years now when they first started in a garage. Um, you know, they, they were monitoring things, but they were still still going gung-ho down there and posted some things on social media. Um, you know, they, they'll get through it like anything else. The worry now is that this storm is going to come up and come somewhere off the South Carolina, North Carolina coast, head out to sea, maybe clip Bermuda, and maybe loop around to the south and come back for a second strike on the east coast of america somewhere now if it's florida if it's georgia if it comes up more that's un- unknown basically they have it going out to sea dipping down south a little bit and then kind of that's where the they take it some of the models are bringing it back to the east coast back to florida on the east coast which would be a double whammy you know the water is warm out there it will repower itself and come back in could come back in as another Cat 1, Cat 2 storm or worse. Um, we're seeing what's going on there. Uh, there were questionings today about that. The hurricane down in Florida to the the press secretary of the Biden administration. Uh, Joe Biden himself had made some comments. He was with the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of Homeland Security. He was talking about Florida, the preparations and everything there. He was talking about Maui. Um. Something that didn't come up during that press conference, but it's hitting all over social media, is is another $250 million for Ukraine is being promised by the Biden administration. That brings the total to $113 billion that we've given to the war in Ukraine. Um, the head of FEMA was asked about the $700 to the residents of Maui, and her stance, again, most of it was about the hurricane in Florida, but we still have this this ongoing issue in Maui where... They still don't know how many people are missing to this day. I think the total right now is 115 dead, and that's what they found, so that's what that number's is based off of. But they don't know how many people are missing. They don't have a solid number. They don't even have a guesstimate for us. That's unacceptable as far as, as any emergency management situation. You have to have an estimate. You have to have a projection of, of what are we looking at, what are we looking for, Um. But the head of FEMA did say, because she was questioned on it, about that $700 payment to the residents there, and she said that is all that she foresees them getting as far as that payout. Now, of course, they're getting other normal emergency response resources that FEMA gets for any natural disaster once a disaster is claimed. This is a personal check directly to the person. Now, there will be insurance supplements. There will be private insurance companies that have their payments. There will be things like that they will have resources on the ground that do have other services but as far as money cash here this is what you get all they foresee is the residents of maui who have lost everything is that uh that uh seven hundred dollars and uh you know as an american that's pretty disgraceful again never been to hawaii um don't know if i'll ever get there it's probably too long of a plane ride for me Beautiful place, but they are Americans, and they deserve the, the help of, uh, of a nation when something like that happens. Well, the National Ar- actually there's two stories here. I, I pulled up this story from the New York Post. The National Archives has 5,400 Biden emails in which he uses fake names to dish government info to uh, Hunter as vice president. Now, this started leaking, you know, about a week or two ago. With uh, He goes by the pseudonyms Robin Ware, Robert L. Peters, J.R.B. Ware, uh, pseudonyms that the 80-year-old president was known to use in the White House during his time as uh, vice president for the Barack Obama administration. Well, the National Archives and Records Administration has admitted that it has in possession, due to a lawsuit, by the way, has admitted they have 5,400 emails, electronic records, and documents that show Biden using that pseudonym during his vice presidency, and it was revealed this Monday. The Southeastern Legal Foundation on Monday filed a suit against NARA, the National Archives Records Administration, for the release of those records. All too often, public officials abuse their power by using it for their personal and political benefit. When they do, many seek to hide it. The only way to preserve governmental integrity is for NARA to release Biden's nearly 5,400 emails to uh, the Southeastern Legal Foundation and thus the public. The American deserves to know what's in them. Well, America First Legal posted some breaking news during this show Well, I was looking, and again, this was the story I was telling, and then this came up, where they've obtained new documents from the lawsuit against the National Archives revealing over a 1,000 emails between Rosemont Seneca and the office of the vice president. If you don't know what Rosemont Seneca is, that's Hunter Biden's business. That was his business conglomerate. You know, the thing that Joe Biden says he has nothing to do with and put a wall between his son's business, doesn't know anything about it. Well, there's over 1,000 emails between Rosemont Seneca and the office of the vice president. See how Hunter Biden's business dealings commingled with the office official business of the Obama White House. And it's a 12-point thread that they go through. The sheer volume of the emails exchanged between Hunter and his associates at Rosemont Seneca and the office of the vice president is telling in itself. Just since America First Legal last release, NARA has processed another 861 emails sent or received between January 2011 and December 2013 that contain the name of Hunter Biden's company, Rosemont Seneca. The vast majority of these emails consisted of direct communications between Rosemont Seneca employees, including Hunter Biden and the Office of the Vice President. Contrary to Joe Biden's claim, contrary to Joe Biden's claim that there is an absolute wall between the personal and private and the government, the White House asserted executive privilege to withhold 200 emails in their entirety because, quote, release would disclose confidential confidential advice between the president and vice president. 200 emails that include Rosemont Seneca are being held due to executive privilege because 200 emails would disclose confidential advice between the president and vice president. But they knew nothing about what Hunter Biden was doing. Hunter Biden's totally separate and individual. He's just the president's son. He has his own business. He does his own thing. 200 emails they claimed executive privilege. Emails obtained by America First Legal reveal that the broad access Hunter Biden enjoyed to the official government channels while his father was vice president. Below are just a few examples on how Hunter Biden had free reign in directing the use of official government resources. Even though Hunter had no official role in the Obama-Biden administration, He was intimately involved in planning for high-profile White House events, including the January 11th China State Luncheon, the June 11th State Arrival Ceremony for German Chancellor, the March 2012 United Kingdom State Dinner and Visit, and the May 13th Turkey State Luncheon, the 2014 France State Dinner. They have copies of the emails. As our investigation has previously uncovered, Hunter and his Rosemont Seneca business partners had, a planning, had been planning for the China lunch months in advance with the White House officials. Hunter Biden and his associates at Rosemont Seneca also frequently used Biden's name to gain access to the White House. That we kind of already knew. On December 18, 2013, lobbyist Doug Davenport reached out to Hunter's business partner, Eric Schwerwin, last-minute tickets for a Christmas White House tour for his guy from Apple. Even those familiar with Rosemont Seneca knew that they had unmatched access to the Obama-Biden White House. Even though Eric Sherwin had no official government position, our investigation previously revealed the degree, the degree in which he intimately involved himself in White House official business and use the Biden name to gain unfettered access to the White House. Eric Sherwin told Davenport that the only way the tour would be possible if he would would be possible would be to get them to the front of the line. Again, they have the email. Rosemont Seneca then directly contacted the office of the vice president to confirm the last-minute Christmas tour as a big favor for Hunter indicating that Hunter was using his access to the White House to benefit those involved with Rosemont Seneca. On another occasion, Hunter asked specifically for a White House tour for his business associate at Third Point. Hunter and his associates were invested with Third Point, a hedge fund founded by the Democrat billionaire Don Leo. Emails from Hunter Biden's laptop revealed that they would be helping Don Liabo, the third point, raise billions of dollars from China's sovereign wealth fund, CIC. Hunter also frequently uh, requested official correspondence from the Office of the Vice President and involved his Rosemont Seneca team. The Rosemont Seneca team, at Hunter Biden's direction, reached out to the Office of the Vice President Correspondence Director to obtain a letter for an associate. During the exchange, Hunter's assistant at Rosemont Seneca welcomed the new White House staffer to the team, in quotes. Again, it goes on and on and on. If anyone's still buying that there was totally independent, you know, Hunter, you know, he's just looking out for his son who just had problems and such like that. There are over a thousand emails between his company, Rosemont Seneca, and the vice president's office, including vice president's staffers, where Hunter Biden's assistant is telling The staffer at the vice president's office at the White House, welcome to the team. Welcome to what team? Rosemont Seneca team? The Hunter Biden team? Which team is it? It's obvious that everything they've said to label this relationship with Joe and Hunter as far as his business goes is a lie. They've lied to the American people. They've lied to Congress. He's lied at every turn when we go here. And as more and more of these records come out, we are uh, going to see more and more. Now, one of the things before I I go to a break, you have uh, a newscaster on Newsmax who says that a video is going to be out in the next month that is going to be so damaging to Joe Biden in regards to Hunter Biden and his business that Joe Biden will not be able to run for office. Now, we'll see. Until it's shown, I have little faith in in its validity, but the mere fact that it's being promoted as such it'll either be a dud or it'll be something big, so something else we have to keep on the uh uh our eyes out for Welcome back to the rob o'Donnell show on w i l k news radio it's five twenty eight seventy six degrees here got some updates uh looking at the Times Tribune afternoon updates to see what's going on in our area <laughs> A lot of it's not good. Uh, You got a Scranton man bashed a woman with a vase, sexually assaulted her, and held her captive in her Hanover Township home. Um, Another story is eight sex offenders, including an old forge man, sentenced during a marathon court hearing. Child molester, a viewer of child sex abuse materials, and six men were caught on line stings, were sentenced to time behind bars. Good. Hopefully they get a lot more than that. Uh, Scranton man charged with a machete attack on the west side. Of course, we know what uh, what's going down on with Hurricane Adalia. Uh, reward offered for information leading to the arrest of the Lackawanna Trail field vandals. Yeah, that's a that's a disgusting thing that happened here. And you know, I I, I, I don't I don't want it to sound off, but hopefully it's kids doing stupid kid stuff. But even then, they should be held accountable. If this was older individuals, they need to be held fully accountable for this. I mean, anyone needs to be held fully accountable, but hopefully, you know, a $250 reward is being offered for information to the vandals who damaged the Lackawanna Trail High School's field hockey um, field. So if you know anything about that, if you know, uh, could get some information to get these people held accountable for, I'd appreciate you uh, reach out to them. Three Scranton women charged with assault of a 14-year-old girl. They uh, knocked four teeth out of a 14-year-old girl's mouth. Thankfully, they were arrested. Again, let's hope, them, uh, hope they uh, are held accountable. And what do we have here? Scranton woman to face charges for a fatal Roaring Brook crash. 20-year-old Scranton woman is awaiting Raymond on charges. She caused a fatal wreck in May in Roaring Brook Township. Uh, a, a lot of not good news for our area. I, I like to see better things in our news cycle. Again, you know, it's, it's the email that goes out with the updates for the afternoon update, but, um, I'm just reading some text messages coming in. Um, it's just a, a shame that, uh, such a beautiful area like ours who really has so much to offer. We're so distracted by nonsense like this, like, like, the, these common criminals that seem to take to take space in our news cycle, rather than all the good things, because there are there are ten times amount of good things that go on in our communities day in and day out. You know, I wish uh, you know the cones with a cop in, in Archibald and the other places that had them got m- just as much uh, attention as stuff like this. Even though you know it did get a good attention, social media. You know, I shared it on social media. We got it out there. Uh, but let's. Let's do better to promote the good stories that are out there. You know, I search for them. Um, actually, you know, the story when we come back from the break will be a good story, well, at least a story with a happy ending for for freedom. So, uh, you know, we'll get to that when we come back. It's uh, 5.31. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's five thirty-six here at the station. Seventy-six degrees and mostly sunny outside. Looks like it's going to be a beautiful weekend here in our area. Let's go to the phones. We have um, District Attorney Joe Peters of Wyoming County. District Attorney, how are you? I am well, Rob. How are you this afternoon? Good. Thanks for checking in. What do you have for us?
1: Well, uh, first let me thank you for your service to NYPD and the work you've done uh, around the country and other places uh, on vulnerability and threat assessments and, and such. I'm a former cop and chief myself before lawyer, um, so I just wanted to say that I'm a listener and I, and I like what you do on the air.
0: I appreciate it. Thank uh, you for that feedback.
1: You're, you're very welcome, brother. Uh, And I'm calling because you mentioned uh, just before the break uh, the reward I offered um, for the Lackawanna Trail damage to the women's field hockey um, area. And um, I just wanted to mention that a little bit further. Um, not only uh, do I want to swiftly identify who did it and hold them accountable, but there was a message sent, I hope, in offering the reward. As you said earlier, if it's adults, um, that's a real tragedy beyond being a crime, um, because this is an area for positive activity for young people. If it's kids, um, uh, I want the message to be clear that uh, there will be accountability. And if you don't take care of the nuisance crimes and vandalisms, and Rob, you saw it best in New York, and I can remember uh, a friend of mine named Jack Maple, you know, in the broken windows theory, that if you let the small crimes go uh, untouched and and unaccounted for, uh, that will lead to more serious crimes and then ultimately a level of lawlessness, Uh, and that's an exaggeration to make a point that we're going to stop it, and we're going to stop it now, and that's why that
0: it's an excellent proactive step hopefully we get someone in the community and you know if it is kids doing kids stuff or, or young young adults doing stuff you know other young adults need 250 dollars as well so hopefully you know we know how this works hopefully they get it in and turn it in um it, it's it's good to hear you say you're friends with jack maple i worked for jack he was my uh, sergeant lieutenant in the late 80s early 90s uh, when we were at the transit police uh, great great man who's uh, dearly missed
1: yeah, I met him many years ago, and he was a smart guy and a good cop, and you know he made us all smarter on crime, and um, that's what I'm trying to do in our own way here in northeastern Pennsylvania.
0: So, if anyone has a tip for for this this vandalism that was done to the field, do they contact your office?
1: Yes, it it was in the press release. They can either call the Dalton Police Department because Dalton PD uh, does the policing services for Lackawanna Trail School District, or they can call my office. Uh, We will treat it as an anonymous tip. Uh, We'll take their name, of course, or Dalton PD will hold it in confidence only for purposes of paying them the reward if it leads to the identification, uh, arrest, and prosecution of whomever did this.
0: Ex- excellent proactive step, and you're right. You know, it's the little things like this. If if this if you let this go, then whoever did this realizes, hey, we could do whatever we want. We could do something else. We, you know, it's 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 that accountability to something like this happens. A lot of people might say, well, it's just a field. You know, it was just a little vandalism. It's kids being kids. No, it's sending the message that this is unacceptable in our community and, and these these areas. Taxpayers pay a lot of money to maintain these areas, to create these areas for kids to have a better life, to do things. And, uh, you know, this type of activity is not going to be tolerated.
1: You're exactly right, and that was also part of my statement that uh, this is not fair to the taxpayers of the Lockona Trail School District. On top of everything else we said, so thank you for talking about it, Rob.
0: No, not a problem. I appreciate it. And if you can, if you have a, a happy ending to this story where the people are brought to justice, obviously if they're juveniles, we won't don't want them identified. But you know, if you if this has does positive outcome, you do catch the individuals responsible. Please call us back and give us an update on it.
1: I'd be happy to do that without identifying them if
0: they're juveniles. Yes. And if they're adults, then let's identify them all we want. Um, District Attorney Joe Peters of Wyoming County, I appreciate you calling in.
1: Thank you, Rob. Thanks for what you do. And thanks to your listeners.
0: Thank you as well. And thank you for the service that you provide for the county. Thank you. And that's it. If you live in the the Lackawanna Trail area, you know, reach out. They're being proactive there, they're trying to hold people accountable. Uh, you know, and and like we said, it's your tax dollars that are going to make these areas for our kids great. Have this facility, these new programs. Field hockey hasn't been around here for a long time. You know, lacrosse areas haven't been here for a long time. Schools are just getting new sports to keep kids interested, keep kids. Maybe they're not you know uh, interested in the sports, the current sports that they have. You know, I know when my daughter went to Lakeland school, she was on the swim team. Lakeland doesn't have a pool. She swam with other, because as PAWA rules, you can swim with other other teams uh, if there's an agreement between your school and their school, and that's what they did. But when a, when a, the tax base in Lackawanna Trail does something like build one of these fields and it gets vandalized for no apparent reason other than just to to, to screw something that's good up, you know, we have to come together as a community to hold them accountable And again, there's a just system. If you did it, come forward. If you know who did it, collect your $250 and anonymously uh, give that tip in so uh, something like this doesn't happen again. Because if if someone gets away with this, then it's just another thing and another thing and another thing. And if they're young, if they're juveniles – Let's stop it now. Let's hold them accountable now. Hopefully that changes their ways as we move forward. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 547 here at the station, 75 degrees and mostly sunny. That temperature's going down. Hopefully it clears out nice tonight. We have a nice clear night for that super blue moon tonight. And, again, that's not a technically blue moon and is in color. It's just the 13th full moon of the year. And it's a super moon, so it's going to be bigger than it should be usually off the horizon it's the biggest so uh, if you have your app to see where the moon's going to rise from or you know it's a super blue moon so hopefully you should see it anyway you know we were talking about some good news out there and here in uh colorado springs you had a middle school student and his parent fight back against the school uh and the school's ignorance for the most part the individual 12 year old uh doesn't say his name. I know Jaden is his first name was kicked out of class yesterday in Colorado Springs for having a Gatson flag patch on his backpack. And he had a a bunch of different patches on his backpack. A lot of, uh, you know, supportive of American type uh, patches on it. And the Gatson flags, one of them, if you don't know what the Gatson flag is, it's uh, the, the yellow flag with the, the curled up rattlesnake. that says, don't tread on me. Now, the school's vice principal called the parent and called in. They wouldn't let the uh, the child return to class. And during negotiations, the vice principal said, well, if he leaves his school bag in the office and goes back to class because we want to get him back in class, that's our goal. But he can't bring the, the, his backpack into the class because it has the flag on it. And the mother questioned it, and she was like, well, why? Why? Uh, what? What's wrong with his bag that he can't go in? She says, well, the flag, the, the, and she's, the mother said the Gatson flag, and the vice principal says the don't tread on me flag, and the mother responded, that's the Gatson flag. She's like, yeah, and he, she's like, well, why can't he wear that? What's wrong with it? And the vice principal goes on to make a fictitious history of the Gatson flag, talking about how it's representative of slavery and the Civil War and everything like that when in all honesty, the Gatson flag was created during the Revolutionary War to fight the British. And even our current-day military, our United States Navy, wears a Gatson flag opposite of the American flag on their what they call endubs, dubs their, their, their fatigue uniforms. Uh, if you follow me on social media, I put a picture of it. I have several of the flags. My two children who are active duty in the Navy wear the flag on their shoulder. It's part of their uniform. Uh, it's obviously the, the camouflage green flag, uh, that has the stripes, and it has the the snake, and it says, don't tread on me. Simple as that. It's part of the Navy uniform. This vice principal of this school obviously doesn't know history, obviously doesn't even know what it was. She tried blaming on it, enforcing the board's policies. She says, all I'm doing is enforcing the board's policies. We can't let it back in. And she's stuck by her, her, uh, her guns, and – um you know, she said, the reason we don't want the flag displayed is due to its origins with slavery and the slave trade. Beth Danjuma, assistant principal of the junior high building at the Vanguard School, is recorded as saying, the mother recorded this, this interaction. The boy's mother informed her that the flag was a symbol used during the Revolutionary War and it did not promote slavery. But to no avail, the vice principal said, I'm here to enforce the policy that was provided by the district, and definitely you have every right to not agree with it. The vice president responded. The incident was thrusted into the national spotlight. Thankfully, the parent did have the wherewithal to videotape this interaction. It went viral. And within 24 hours, the school board called an emergency meeting and reversed their policy in regards to the Gatson flag. Now, this is an issue on many levels. First of all, the vice principal should be mandated to take remedial American history courses. That would be my push as a parent because you're blindly following a policy for a symbol that you obviously know nothing about. And again, is this the fault of the vice principal? Is this the fault of the board for not being more specific? You know, I think it's all of the above. But literally, the vice principal made up Her own history about what the Gadsden flag is, what it represents, where where it's from, the time period even where it's from. And the fact that our current active duty military wear it on their shoulder opposite of the American flag. It's quite that simple. To say it's offensive and it it, it promotes slavery in the slave trade is just ludicrous. And this is what they're going with. This is the argument, the vice principal, and obviously the mother had no recourse. She took her kid home that day. He could not return to class because she was willing to stand up for her beliefs. She even said during the interaction with the vice principal, well, I've taught my child to stand up for his beliefs. You obviously have a misinterpretation of what this flag is. And the vice principal's stance was you can disagree with it. I'm just enforcing the board's policy. There's nothing I can do for you here. Well, you know what? You're the vice principal of the school. Either you're in a management position or you're not to make these decisions. You obviously didn't, and you obviously made things up on the fly, which made things worse. Again, thankfully, due to the national platform that this interaction was given, even the governor, who's a Democrat, weighed in. I'm looking for the governor's, uh, what he said here. The governor said, obviously, the Gadsden flag is a proud symbol of the American Revolution and an iconic warning to Britain or any any government not to violate the liberties of Americans. It appears on popular American medallions and challenge coins throughout today, and Ben Franklin also adopted it. That's from the governor of Colorado, who, again, who is the Democrat, So even he threw the school district under the bus. But thankfully, they did have an emergency meeting over the fact to clarify their rule that the Gadsden flag is to not be included in that, obviously. And you'll see time and time again, and I'm sure you've seen it, that don't tread on me flag, it's often being scapegoated by those with nefarious rules, just like the blue line flag who wants to make up a history of it that has nothing to do with anything. I've gone through the history of that you know, time and time again, the development of it, when it came around. It wasn't in response to anything. It's been around for decades. But the Gatson flag has been around for centuries. And they try to turn it into a bad thing. Again, because at one or two events, you have a nefarious actor who did something wrong that had it with them. And now they want to label it as a racist symbol. But, you know, you can have pride flags and BLM flags and everything else at these events where there was actually violence, widespread violence, cities burnt down, billions of dollars in damage, and you know you can't lump that in. That's, that's totally different. It's a totally separate incident. But this should be a lesson to parents out there. Don't sit back and just take the answers that you're given, especially by people who are supposedly in an authority position like a vice principal, an assistant principal, whatever she was, assistant principal, who just makes up what they want to support their argument. Know the facts, do your research, and be prepared to push back. And if they don't, go public with it because there's a lot of people out there. And if that doesn't work, maybe a lawyer because I can guarantee you just by sending this individual, this child, home for the one day, violated his right to a free and appropriate public education. And if you are familiar with the Department of Education then you know what a free and appropriate public education is and that the mother probably does have a case that they violated it because it was his First Amendment right to have that flag on his uh, backpack. It's 5.56 here at WILK. We'll be back to close out the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Somebody said, why doesn't a college graduate know uh, what I uh, learned in high school? Not only a college graduate, but for an assistant principal wouldn't they have to have a master's degree so uh like i said i would I would push to have that assistant principal mandated to take a remedial American history course for uh simply making up her own history. I mean, it was okay if she said i I'm not familiar with the specifics of the policy, but i'm I believe that this is something that you cannot wear in school that would have been a better more Believable, more honest stance. And again, if you're in a position in these schools, stop taking the marching orders from the people. If you're in law enforcement, stop taking the marching orders from the people above you without questioning them. Your job is to the Constitution where a teacher's job is to their children, the kids in the school. Um, Use your own brain to determine what you enforce and what you don't enforce. It's 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock here at Wilk.